Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We're in the, a series right now on the family, and so we're going to start in, uh, we're, we're at part three already. Wow. So I don't know how many parts this has to it. We're just going to walk it out together because uh, we have lots of things. There's so many dynamics to the family and so many variables, and I want to do my best to touch on as many of those things as I can um, so that this, these messages are relevant to you and to where you live and to, to bring hope and strength and wisdom into your life where you are. You know God knows where you are and he has wisdom for you where you are. No matter, no matter what your family situation looks like, marriage, not marriage, divorce, whatever it may be, God knows where you are. And, and, and he's got solutions for you. He's got help for you. Nothing is beyond his ability to help you. Nothing is beyond his wisdom. Amen. There is no situation, as Jeremiah uh, the prophet said, is there anything too hard for our God? Is there anything too hard for him? No, absolutely not. Amen. If he can come back from the dead, he can fix anything. Amen. He can fix anything. All right, so... I, that's what I want to do is just equip you here over the next few weeks uh, for you and your family so, because God has a plan for your family. You know that? He has a good plan for your family, a good plan. And, and he wants you increasing. He wants you living in love and laughter and joy and peace and, and, and experiencing all the good that is in the family, what, what God's design is in the family. As a matter of fact, it became the message in the New Testament when they began to preach the gospel after Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose again from the dead, when they would preach the, the, the gospel, they would say, you and all your house will be saved. And you know, maybe that's not your reality right now, but if you'll get that in your mouth, if you'll believe that, and you declare, me and all my house will be saved, why don't you just say it right now, me and all my house will be saved. Me and all my house will be saved. Amen. Because God loves your family more than you do. He loves your spouse more than you do. He loves your kids more than you do. And I know you love them. But that love ain't like his love. Amen. 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 Because he would be willing to give up his dearest, dearest son for us. That's a love that we can't understand. But he has welcomed us all to receive it. And I gladly receive that great love. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 12. Is it okay if I get into your lives a little bit today? Can I dig a little bit? All right. We're all adults here, is that right? Am I, I'm, okay, just making sure. So I, then that means if I'm going to talk to you like adults, I expect you to respond like an adult. All right? Because as I said before, I'm not here to be politically correct whatsoever. As a matter of fact, it's going to be quite the opposite. All right? Because I'm not a politician. I'm not here for your vote. And uh, I'm, I'm here to represent him because at the end of the day, I'm not going to stand before any politician in the end. I've got to stand before Jesus. I gotta stand before him. He's the one that we're all gonna stand before. He's the one we're all accountable to. And I'm here to give you his truth. Because his truth is life. His words are life to those who find him, and they are health to all of their flesh. Amen. You know, he said, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Okay? So I'm here to represent him, to bring the truth to you. Because I know that this is really the only thing that can help you. You know, we can all have good attitudes and think positive and all that kind of stuff. That's great. That's great. But what God brings to us is not just a change. It's an exchange. We don't live changed lives as Christians. We live exchanged lives. 
we get his life for ours. He got, I mean, we got, the, we got the better end of that deal, right? Can I just remind you of that exchange a little bit before we jump into this? He was wounded. He was torn up. His body was broken so that you and I would be healed in exchange. He was wounded and you and I were healed. Who got the better end of that deal? Hmm? He became a curse. The scripture says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles, which is you, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. An exchange happened. He became a curse and you became blessed. Again, we got the better end of that deal. He also said, it also says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 that he made him who knew no sin, verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, again, for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became sin and you and I became righteousness. Exchange. Again, we went on that one. He became poor. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, say for my sake, for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. An exchange happened. An exchange happened. He became poor and you became rich. Again, you went on that one. And he, the Son of God, became the Son of Man, so that we, the sons of men, could become sons of God. What an exchange. And now, obviously, all of our identity is in him. It's all found in Him. Thank the Lord Jesus for that. Today I want to talk to you about, I want to talk on the subject of division in the house. How to spot it, how to guard against it, how to overcome it. But division many times as the devil works in subtleties. He is a crafty, crafty, crafty snake. And, and remember his MO though, his goal, his purpose is to steal to kill and to destroy. All right, so that's, that's his purpose, but he finds ways to do it through subtleties. All right? And division, division on one, in one sense is, is glaringly obvious, but, but sometimes it's not so obvious. And there are, are, there are ways, there are doors being cracked open to what division brings, and so we're going to keep our doors shut. All right, we're going to keep that stuff out of our house. We're going to keep it out of our talk. We're going to keep it out of our conversation with our loved ones, with our, with our wife, husband, children. We're going to keep that out. We're going to guard against it. All right? Are you with me? Matthew 12, 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom, every, did you hear that? Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. What brings a kingdom down? What brings every kingdom down? Division. Every kingdom that is divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Now you understand the importance of keeping division out of your house because your house is going to fall. Your house is going to crumble. Your house is going to wind up in desolation if you allow division to take root there. All right? Every kingdom, every city, every house. Now, I'm not so much concerned about what's happening in D.C. near as much as I am concerned about what's happening in the homes in this city. Because as the homes go, as the family goes, so goes the city. As the city goes, so goes the nation, right? So we have to know, first and foremost, what's happening in the house is of utmost importance. And if we can get the house healthy, if we get the family strong, if we get the family united, then everything else falls into place, all right? 
So, you know, sometimes we tend to think it's all about the kingdom, but the kingdom is made up of cities and made up of, which is made up of homes. Huh? Made up of families. So uh, none of that would exist without the homes. I want to talk to you today about some things uh, that would come in to try to divide you, divide you in the home, but you're going to overcome. And God's, God's vision that he brings to us is one that is continually progressing. Y'all know the scripture, the famous scripture, without vision, the people what? Perish. Or, or the literal term means to, they cast off restraint. That means they, they wander. They, they live an aimless kind of life. They have, they have no direction to go because they have no vision for what's ahead. They they're not looking forward to anything. So without vision, but, the, but it literally means without progressive vision. So the vision that God brings is a progressive vision. He's a builder. He's a multiplier. He's, he's one who's increasing and expanding. Amen. So we're continuing to progress. And he has a life for you and I to live in that progressive vision. Amen. He wants your family growing and strong. Now, um, how many of you, when you were in school, you, went, you took calculus? How about trigonometry? Yeah, about the same hands. Algebra? Oh, there's a lot of hand. Geometry? Okay. You didn't get to any of that in first grade. It took a while to get there. The teacher had to teach you one apple plus one apple equals two apples. Two apples minus one apple is one apple. Two apples times two apples is four apples. You had to learn the very basic elementary things concerning math before you could uh, transgress. I was trying to <laughs> transgress to, yeah, it is a transgression to do calculus. Uh, before you could advance, I should say, to the higher levels of math. And let me just tell you this today. God will let you stay right where you are spiritually if that's what you decide to do. He will. Because he's given you the power to choose. He's given you... So if you don't want to progress, you want to stay right where you are, if it's just me and Jesus, we've got our own thing going, then you can stay right there, but don't expect him to promote you. Because God doesn't work through social promotion. You know, like, you know, many of our schools, a kid fails, he's, you know, he repeats that grade, and he fails again, he repeats that grade until finally he's too big to sit at the desk, so they have to push him up to the next grade. God doesn't promote us in that way, all right? Uh, the scripture says, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you. Let me tell you, family, when God promotes you, there's not a darn thing any man can do about it, Amen. all right? Because whatever doors he opens for you, no one can shut them. Whatever he shuts, no one can open, all right? And you want his promotion in your life way more than you want that promotion at work. That promotion at work's cool. No, I'm not trying to take away from that. I'm just saying that God has a way to promote you even where you are when you humble yourself under his mighty hand, all right? Uh, to, to humble yourself under his mighty hand just simply means to take him at his word. It means to believe God at all costs, no matter what, that you hold on to his promise. Can I get a good amen? So... Like I said, he, but he wants to. He wants to increase you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bring you into more. But you've got to want it. Amen. Um, okay. Where are you going, Holler? Oh, yeah. This is where we're going. Um, so God has a way for our families to grow and to increase. Uh, you know, it's one thing to, to uh, disagree, but it's a whole other reality to be disagreeable. Well, that person is no fun to hang around. Right? Uh, just... Be willing to listen. Be willing to learn. Huh? I told you I was going to get in your life a little bit today. Is that all right? Now we can go light and fluffy if you want. Hmm? You want to go sermon light today? Okay, good, because I'm not doing it. 
But it, it's another, like I said, it's, it's one thing to disagree, but it's another thing to be disagreeable. You know, like anything you say, doesn't matter what you do, you always got the fact checker out there. They usually start their sentence off with actually, just disagreeable. No more than you. Eh, okay. There will be an attempt made to divide that oneness relationship in your home. And, that, and, and that's, that's coming from the thief. As I said, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. But you've got to watch out for those subtleties of division. Now, remember this. The devil has no power. He has been rendered useless, his power. He's been rendered defeated because Jesus Christ, for this purpose, was the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil, which means that word destroy means to unravel the works. Uh, I think it's Colossians that teaches us that he fully disarmed the devil. So he, he, he can't just come into your house and start wreaking havoc. He can if you say you may. Because the scripture says he roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. All right? All you got to say is you may not. You may not. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Jesus is Lord here. We don't, we don't let our, keep our windows open for that lousy, lying lizard to have access into our lives. Amen. He has to be allowed to do it, so just don't allow him. Amen. The word divided here in this, this passage of Scripture that we just read, a kingdom divided against itself, means disunited by discord or strife. Disunited by discord or strife. Uh, you and I, we cannot afford that luxury. We're Christians. All right? we, don't get to, we don't get to hang out and strife. Amen. That's an emotional candy that will do nothing but bring destruction. James 3 says it like this, verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Do you see what happens when you allow division to come in? When you allow strife to come in, you open up your life to every evil opportunity. Ooh. I, I'm, I, what I'm saying is that if you crack open the door, it's going to be kicked wide open. All right? And hell and all of its ugly cousins are going to come and try to move into your house. All right? So through that subtlety. And here's what the subtleties look like. How about gossip? Hmm. Gossip. Gossip is one of the most divisive things. It usually comes in whispers. Hmm? Behind people's back. I've never seen gossip turn out to be very fruitful, to bring any good thing in. You know, hey, listen, uh, it's not just the ladies that are gossiping. A lot of you guys are really good at it, too. I mean, you guys out there that don't go to one cause church. But you might know someone who's this way. Listen, don't lend your ear to them. Don't lend your ear to them. You lend your ear to the gossip, you're going to start listening to what they're saying, and before long, you're going to start doing what they say to do. Amen. Mm -hmm. Before long, you're going to be bringing that division right into your house yeah. and then wondering, like, what's wrong? What happened? Your mouth is what happened. Amen. I mean, it, that, that, that gossip that you know might even have the same last name as you. Mama, Grandma, Daddy, hmm? best friend. No, you, you got you to stay away from that. Yeah. You got to stay yeah. away from that. 
Amen. You can't allow that an entrance because it is an entrance. Because um, you're going to bring that stuff right into your house, and you can't afford that. I was, shared this with the early service. Have you heard of the terrible family they and the dreadful venomous things they say? Why, half the gossip under the sun, if you trace it back, you would find begun in that wretched house of they. Then there's people that love contention. You know, not talking about just gossips, but those who love watching people fight. You know, they're not happy unless somebody's fighting. So they'll lie. They'll make up a story. Most of the time it looks like this. They, their, their, their language sounds something like this. It's the worst thing ever. Right? I always, I always just kind of get cautious when I hear somebody talking like that. It's the worst thing ever. The worst? It's the greatest thing ever. Okay, why do you feel the need to exaggerate like that? Because when everything's the worst thing, then nothing's the worst thing. When everything's the greatest thing, then there's nothing that's the greatest thing. But like I said, they're not happy unless they've got somebody rumbling around them. So you're going to have opportunities to get upset. You're going to have opportunities to get offended. How many of you live long enough to know that? It's out there, and it's daily. It's daily. Jesus said it's impossible that offenses should not come. They're coming. Offenses are coming. He said, but woe through whom those offenses come. Huh? So they can come to you, but they don't have to go through you. Offenses are there. Just don't let them in. Just don't let them in. Don't let them get inside of you. Amen. Uh, because, you know, it's fools that create discord. Fools do that. All right? That's what fools do. That's fools talk. That's fools, a fool's way. All right? To bring division and discord. Um, but the difference between me and either one of these, Faith or Maddie, on this piano, when Eric Holler gets on it, there's going to be discord. But when they get on it, there's going to be music. Right? I don't fault the piano for that. They don't fault the piano for that. Right? So life happens. It's not life's fault. There's discord in life or there's unity in life. Hmm? And you and I have to get our, our we have, to have the determination that we're going to live accurately, that we're going to live correctly so that we can enjoy the beauty that life brings, not the ugliness that comes from discord. All right? And, and so that way you don't sit back and blame, well, this is my lot in life. No, it's not. It's your choice in life. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor Eric. I know. I'm almost through. Proverbs eleven twenty nine 29 says, He who troubles in his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. Now, we don't want to do things that just provoke people to anger and dissension in our house. So let me give you a couple of things right quick. Number one, train yourself. Train yourself to overlook petty faults in your spouse and in your children. Don't beat them up time and time again for that. Hey, let's remember this. Nobody's perfect, not even you master of the universe. Amen. Nobody's perfect. We all need grace. So offer grace. Well, they don't deserve it. I know that's why it's called grace. You didn't deserve it either, but God gave you plenty of it. Amen. Hey, can we just be real here? Somewhere along the way, if the argument ensues and if the screaming starts, somebody's got to stop and be the Christian. Amen. Somebody's got to act like the Christian here. And bring peace and be an agent for peace. Praise God. Amen. Fault finding is a lot like window washing. The dirt always seems like it's on the other side. 
<laughs> yeah. Now we all have our faults. And all kinds of emotional energy can be spent in the wrong place on things that don't matter. And then when something that does matter happens, well, then you just lose it, right? Then you just blow your top. You don't know how to handle that because you've spent all this energy on the things that don't matter. Am I preaching that? Am I helping you today? All right. Now, there, I, I'm not to, here to negate the fact that there are major issues that have to be dealt with. I understand that. All right. But a soft answer is going to turn away wrath. And harsh words are what stir up anger. All right? You know what that means by a soft answer? It doesn't mean that you're a soft person. Matter of fact, you're actually the, the stronger person. Because you take a moment to swallow. You take a moment to breathe. You take a moment to, God forbid, think. Right? Before you speak. Soft answer doesn't come from an angry reaction. Angry people don't speak softly to one another, right? Yeah. It's obvious where you're at by your reaction, but a soft answer means that you've taken time. This is a, I have, you're calculating your answer. Amen. And it will turn away wrath. Not only from the person who's doing this, I mean, you help cool their jets, but it'll cool your own jets. Yeah. All right? Harsh words stirs up anger. The, the Bible has so much wisdom for us in this way. And husbands and wives, let me just remind you today, this starts with you. Because your children are watching you. And they're going to treat their spouse how you treated your spouse. You're their example. Ouch. Got to watch what we're saying, don't we? Got to watch what we're saying about our spouses. Not only to... So remember... When we communicate, we communicate to one another, not at one another. All right? I'll just leave you with that today, and the next week we'll get into some more things on the vision. I've got a few more things to share with you on that. Um, I've got lots of things to cover, and I hope this has helped you, but we need to stop right now in this moment. And uh, it was January of 2013. That's been a little while ago. Over, a little over five and a half years ago that Jeremiah and Maddie Land became a part of our ministry. Wow. Where's the time gone? And I've been amazed to watch the grace of God on their lives. I've been amazed to watch uh, their progress in ministry, their growth in it. Um, to see, as Jeremiah said, those times when he did not want to be receiving offering because there was a time in his life where he was 10 months without any income. And, um, but he was up here every week. God will provide. Huh? And he had, to he had the struggle of, had to get over the struggle of feeling like a hypocrite. That's what he told me. I feel like a hypocrite doing this. I said, no, no, you're in faith. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. You're in the right place, buddy. If you're preaching to anybody in the room, it's to yourself. Huh? And just to watch him progress in that and, and his faith in God and to, to see the power of the word of God released in, in their lives and especially in their finances. It's been amazing. And to watch Maddie, what she's done with our music team from just being here and singing and offering you know, her talents and then how the Lord just promoted her and uh, to take the, take the lead here and train up others. Uh, I mean, amongst what they do in ministry, they are some of the dearest friends I've ever had in my life. And man, can she cook. 
But God has a new thing for Jeremiah and Maddie. And um, so what I'm going to ask Jeremiah and Maddie to do is to come up at this moment. Because Jeremiah, I told him, I said, I want you to share with the people um, what God has done, where he's leading you. And uh, that way we can all know what's going on here. Uh, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray over them in just a moment. Won't you come, Pastor Jeremiah and um, Maddie, if you would? Actually, you want to use that probably, don't you? Hey, family. <laughs> so. So I guess we'll have to go back a little bit to tell you where we're going. Um, a couple months back, um, for those who have been coming for a while, around April or May, um, y'all knew that my grandfather had passed away. And I had to, when Granny asks you to do the funeral, you do what Granny says. And I went and did the funeral. And in the middle of, of all of finality of the relationship with my grandfather there was there was a new season that was beginning and there was some things here in Dallas there was some some ministry opportunities that were presenting themselves here in Dallas and um, and we were just praying through that with Pastor Eric and Heather and um, we were tired from everything with uh, just everything that was going on in life and, and we went to South Carolina um, to uh, just go on a vacation and to go to the beach and, and get away from everything. And while I was there, um, Maddie's family has helped start a church, and it's probably been going for seven or eight years. And, um, and I preached back in 2013, um, and then I hadn't really preached there again since then. And I knew uh, that their pastor stepped down the Sunday before Easter this year. And Maddie's father is one of the elders there. and We had been talking about it, and, um, and he was just struggling with, they had to find these pastors to get up there ever since Easter, and they were trying to hold the church together. And I said, you know what, I'll be there before I go to the beach. It's nothing for me to just come and preach, give you all a Sunday off, you know. Um, and uh, I felt compelled to preach a message um, that is very, very close to Pastor Eric and Pastor John's heart, and it's the, 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 the message out of Galatians about the blessing of Abraham, and I heard him preach it at a church in Fort Worth, and I felt compelled to, to preach it there, and maybe that was the beginning of my downfall, because if you preach a John Holler message, I mean, it's game over. They, they loved it. And um, they said, you know, we don't have a pastor. And I said, oh, yeah, I know. Um, I know. And jokingly, her mom has offered us this church for the last seven or eight years, and I've told her no. Flat out no. I'm not called to South Carolina. I'm not called anywhere, anywhere other than Dallas, Texas, serving my pastors, Eric and Heather, and serving One Cause Church. I'm not going anywhere else. And they said, okay. 
And while we were on vacation, and as I finished preaching that Sunday, we were walking the streets of Charleston. And I said, okay, Maddie, let's, let's play a what-if game. What if the answer is not no this time? What if it's a maybe? I said, I, I said, I'm not the one to tell Heather that at all, so that's on you. I'm not saying that at all to Heather. And so, like I said, we had some opportunities opening here in Dallas and this opportunity in South Carolina open. And we started talking with Pastor Eric and Heather, and we just we said, you know what, God, if it's you, open the door. If it's not you, shut it, bolt it, lock it down, cement it, concrete it, burn it, do whatever you got to do, shut the door. So June came and we met, we did a Skype interview with the, the three elders and two of the other men at this church in South Carolina that are leaders. So there was five men that we talked to, we talked to them for about two or three hours and um, they asked a lot of questions, we asked a lot of questions um, there were some, some hurdles that we were going to have to cross over if I was going to take the head pastor position there. Once again, I kept Pastor Eric and Heather informed because I needed their guidance. I, I didn't know what was going on, what we were doing, how we were doing. We were just walking in faith like our pastors have taught us to do. July came and they decided to send us back to South Carolina to preach and to sit down with the elders and hash it out. Is this really God or is this not? And I sat down with Pastor Eric and told him what we were doing. We had to make a statement of faith and all kind of things to get to them. Pastor Eric said, well, it's time to put your big boy pants on and go tell those people, these are my absolutes. And if you can't handle these absolutes, then I'm not coming. I said, okay, right. let's see what we can do. So we went there in July and I preached saw God do some, some really good things with the people that were there. And we had a luncheon with the, the, the congregation, and we ate with them and talked with them. And then afterwards, you think this service is long. We started service at 10, and we didn't leave the church till 5 or 6 that night. We still got five hours to go, guys. We're doing good. <laughs> and we sat with those elders and those leaders, and we talked. And I went through the list, and I said, we're changing this. We're going to change the name. We're not going to be this. We're not going to be that. We're changing the bylaws. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're probably going to do this, and I guarantee you we're going to do that. And I said, if, if y'all can agree to these terms, and God has opened these doors, we're, we're considering it still. And they all sat there and said, we'll do whatever you want, Pastor. You want to do that? We'll do it. You don't want to do that? We'll do it. It's your church. And they said, do you all want to vote? And I said, well, do you want us to leave? And they said, we'll vote right now. And every one of those men and their wives stuck their hand up and unanimously voted us as the head pastors of that church. So I told them I would give them a tentative yes. I said, but, I said, you have to understand something about spiritual authority. I said, I only go where my authority sends me. I said, and my authority has to release me and let, let them know that this is a good thing. I said, so I have to go back. This was also my fallback plan to give them the option to say no. <laughs> little fire escape for me. 
So they had just gotten back from France, and we had just gotten back from South Carolina, and we met at their house on Wednesday night, end of July, and we just started talking about everything. And the things we talked about were, there were people here who gave us prophetic words about our ministry growing. There were dreams that I had that confirmed that God was doing something. Talked with my parents and talked with her parents and we talked with our authority and, and we just laid out, this is, this is what God is doing and, and do we say yes, do we say no? And We sat in that table on that Wednesday night and threw tears on all four of our faces. We agreed, what can we do? This is, this is God and, and God's moving and God's doing something. So then in August, I've been gone for a while, I flew out and I spent 10 days preparing our church, and I landed on a Friday, Friday night, Maddie and Heather were together and they were talking and Maddie sends me a text, it says, Andre is an hour away from you, and the Sunday before I take over this church, Andre is preaching at a prophetic conference less than an hour away from me. And I messaged him on Facebook and I said, hey, I see you're in Augusta, Georgia, and I'm in South Carolina, and can I come see you? Like, what are you doing? And he said, yeah, I'm preaching Saturday morning. We meet the pastor of these, he has three campuses in Augusta, and the associate pastor that we meet at this church is from the hometown of the church that I'm taking over. And he just so happens to have a prophetic conference the week that I'm taking over this church and starting my journey, and I... He said, if you need anything, you come and talk to us and we'll take care of you. And as we sit in there and Andre preaches a phenomenal message, he prophesies over me and he prophesies over my father-in-law, who's also my elder, prophesies over my mother-in-law, who's also my secretary, which if that doesn't tell you that it's God, <laughs> that I'm moving in with my in-laws, I don't know what it is. God works in funny, mysterious ways. And he prophesies over us, and he prophesies over my mother-in-law, who isn't even there, things that nobody knows. And I preach on the 16th, and I preach on the 26th, and we're preaching, and I end up praying for some people at the end for healing. And there's a man sitting in the back last Sunday who got healed, and on Friday he was on crutches, and on Sunday he's sitting in the auditorium and he's only been to church a handful of times and he's moving his ankle and he's got it bent like this and he says, I've never been able to do this. He says, what's going on? And he's moving his ankle and he's standing up and there's people around him saying he was on crutches Friday and he's forever healed. I said, who, am, who am I to deny what God is doing here? So with heavy hearts... This is our last Sunday, and we're packing on Tuesday, and we'll be here Wednesday night, and we drive out Thursday, and we'll be there Friday, and our first service will be on Sunday. We'll be back here for the prophetic conference for a couple of days, and then we'll be there to take over, and I'm almost done. But I want you all to know that I'm not chasing a position or a title because if I could sit in that chair right next to this man and this woman for the rest of my life, I would. I love my pastors. And they've been with us at the lowest of lows and they've been with us at the highest of highs. And they've prayed us through some 
difficult circumstances and they've rejoiced with us and they've promoted us and they've encouraged us and they've loved us. And if possible, I'd sit right there. But God has bigger plans. God's got to get this message out. God's promoted us and I can't deny it. But I'm not leaving him. I'm not leaving her. I refuse. I refuse. So they will be they will be apostles over our church. They're still my pastors. They're still my spiritual authority. I don't understand all the things that God is doing. Cuz the moment where we feel the closest is the moment that God is pushing us away in the natural, but He's united us so close spiritual. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that that building's going to be built over there. I know without a shadow of a doubt that these seats are going to be filled. I know without a shadow of a doubt that God is going to do something. And there's part of me in my spirit that's so excited, but also so sad to be able to see it from afar. I can't wait to see what it is and what God's going to do. And as I finish, I want to thank all of y'all for letting us get up here on stage and act an idiot sometimes and not know what we're doing and say all kind of things, but y'all have received us and y'all have loved us and y'all have blessed us. And you've taken me and my wife in and my son and you're such a part of us. This is the hard part of ministry. We love you all so much and we've rejoiced in your victories and we've prayed you through. We don't call them defeats. We've gone through the fight over the last four or five years and we've seen God do so many amazing things. The worship team and young adults and being with y'all and we love y'all and we appreciate y'all. And the last thing, about two years ago, me and Pastor Eric, when we had just taken over Irving, we're, doing, we're at, the, at a beach day with the Irving campus, and we were driving back. And it was just me and him in the car, and we were just talking about ministry, and we were talking about church. And I got to sit there and hear my pastor and hear your pastor talk about the dreams and the visions and the frustrations and the fun, the not-so-fun things of being in ministry. And we were talking about church growth we were talking about you, and we were talking about people, and we were talking about the building, and we were talking about all these things. And as we were talking, he brought up this scripture, Psalms 126. And me and him read it. He said God spoke this scripture to him, and, and we read it together. And it's something that imprinted upon my heart. And every Sunday and every Wednesday since that day, when I pull into this campus and I pull in in the front of the church, in the front of the house, I open my Bible and I read Psalms 126. And I declare it over this house and I declare it over this family and I declare it over this property and over this ministry. I want to read it to you the way that I read it because I think it's very fitting to right now. Here we go. Psalms 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion.
one cause in the land family were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then they said, among the nations, the Lord has done great things for the one cause family and the land family. And the Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. One cause family and the land family, so in tears, shall reap in joy. He who continually goes... He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Thank you guys for everything. You guys have been our family when we have not had family here. You guys have given us opportunities we never could have dreamed of, and we will love and miss every one of you always. So thank you so much. That didn't make it easy. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, these two dynamic people are what? Hmm? All these years, they've been pouring into us, pouring their, their gifts and talents, and just watching them being trained right here before our very eyes is a beautiful thing, and we all have a personal connection to it now. When they go, part of us goes. Um, that good part. Williston, you don't know what you're you don't know what's coming. You have no idea what's coming, but it's coming with power. It's coming with grace. It's coming with authority. And your your community, that city will never be the same. Amen. You believe that with me? Amen. I want you to just uh I, I had the earlier service do this. This is how we're going to close out today. Um I want us to just come up. We're going to gather around them as a family. Not just not just extend our hands today. We want to put our arms around them. As many of you would get, get, in, get in tight around them. Yeah, if y'all just come down here, Jeremiah and Maddie. Let's, some of you can come up here on the stage. Let's just get a, a good, tight circle around them. We want to bless Maddie and Jeremiah and just this gathering of us here around them and surround them with our love and our support. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Father. We bless Jeremiah and Madeline Land and Noah Winston and all those children yet to come. Lord, we thank you for bringing them here. Thank you for bringing them into our lives. God, thank you for bringing these dear friends to me and Heather, Lord, and these dear ministers to One Cause Church. And now, Lord, as, as much as it is in tears and as much as it is in pain to see them go, Lord, we know that joy is coming. We know the joy of, of this release, Lord, this sowing, Lord, will reap much. Lord, we thank you, God, as we send out this pristine, this prime seed, God. We know, Lord, that there's great return on that. And so, Lord, we send Maddie and Jeremiah with blessing, the blessing of one cause, church, the blessing of this family, Lord. And we say that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. 
No weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn. They will stand and they will be a light in this church and this church will light up. Their fire, they will catch the fire and the vision that's in the, these pastors. And Lord, they will take it to the streets. They will take it to their homes. They will take it to their city, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the message, Lord, that's burning in them, Lord. I thank you, Lord, both, both in, 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 in word and in music, God. Lord, that you, you, I see just tremors in the spirit rippling out from this couple and through this church and throughout this community, Lord, where chains fall off. Chains are broken, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, the sick are healed, the lame are made to walk, the blind eyes open and the deaf ears hear. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We, we thank you, God, for what's coming to Williston. And Lord, we say yes and amen. Let it be done. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Jeremiah and Maddie, we commend you now to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up able to build that church up that you're going to oversee and give you an inheritance in the name of Jesus. Go in this might of yours, as the angel of the Lord said to Gideon. Go in this might of yours. Be strong and be very courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. Now I want you to hug them like they've never been hugged before. Don't let them find a seat for a while, all right? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 